Welcome to Founded Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And my very special guest today is Ty DeGrange of Round Barn Labs. Welcome, Ty. How's it going, Scott? Good to be here. So I've known Ty for three or four years now. Good friends. And Ty is one of the best growth marketers I know. And people, there's one thing in Silicon Valley that people can't get enough of, and it's growth marketing. Would you agree? (laughs) The buzzword of the day. Cash and growth marketing. Those are the two (laughs) things people want. Yeah. Uh, So Ty's phenomenal. He's given me a million tips. I know he's really good. I had the uh, advantage of seeing him do his clients, work with his clients when we were both working at ThoughtBot, and I know he's got a blue chip list. So I want to have him on the podcast and to share a few tips and uh, see if we can make everyone a little bit better at growth marketing. Love it. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, likewise, awesome to see you guys in action at Cruise Consulting and See your new digs. It looks great. So, yeah, he, I came in here and I, we had like a team huddle because there's stuff, software breaking, but we're fixing it. <laughs> so everything's good. So we'll make time. Maybe kind of take a few minutes to retrace your career. Because yep. I think people, you, you've worked at some real blue chip companies and done a lot of cool projects. Awesome. Yeah. So I actually started out in the space at a startup called AdBright, which was one of the first uh, display networks. I think uh, Atlas, think DoubleClick. Um, think double click exchange acquired by Google. And so my foray into digital was kind of thrown into the mix of agencies and brands coming to you and saying, Hey, I've got 10, 20, 30, a hundred grand, help me acquire customers quickly. And so those days display was a little bit more effective probably than it was now in its earlier days. As you know, the click through rate started out really high. People were like, what is this? It's an ad. It's kind of foreign to me. Now we've got ad blockers, so we've yeah. come a long way, right? Displays like banner ads and exactly. other visual things you're going to see on BuzzFeed or Yahoo yep. or things like that. Yep, exactly. So that was a great learning experience. Met some amazing people. I mean, people from that company went on to do some really impressive things. Uh, it was ba- Sequoia-backed, so we got some great experience and learnings from that. Um, so it was it was a really interesting kind of way to get a lot of a lot of data and learnings around digital. Um, from there, I ended up over at Commission Junction, part of ValueClick, a publicly traded company, which was kind of one of the next big ad networks, larger, more established. And I was actually focused on their affiliate marketing uh, division. So I would manage clients like StubHub and significantly grew their affiliate program, which is essentially a revenue share model where StubHub will pay out to bloggers, partners, and websites a percentage of the sales that occur on their website. So it's one uh, smaller aspect of digital marketing, but it's it's actually makes up a big percentage of budgets for a lot of businesses. It has a great ROI, right? It's like you only have to pay if it's converting. Exactly, and a lot of a lot of businesses find that if it's managed well, they they see really high ROI yeah. on it and long term value um, if you, if it's managed properly. Uh, and from there, kind of got the attention of eBay Internet Marketing. Went to work for eBay Corporate over down in Campbell. And had a great experience as part of the internet marketing team there. Met some amazing people who've gone on to some, some great companies. Uh, exposure to folks that have went on to Airbnb and uh, folks that have gone on to other big businesses, which has been really interesting. So from there, it was, it was, it was heavy into blogger content. Uh, how do we build the eBay Motors brand? How do we acquire uh, GMV customers and revenue for the eBay Motors brand. So learned a ton being exposed to that. I, I kind of talk about that almost being like a mini MBA. You just get exposed to so much from how do uh, how does a massive marketplace that's mature that has to manage so many you know global partners and, and, and U.S. partners kind of deal with all that. So 
that was a really interesting experience. And and then from there, I was actually running acquisition at a Kleiner Perkins back startup and got to kind of uh, get into the realm of running multiple channels and running multiple levers, not just one particular marketing channel. So while going deep into one is great, kind of the T-shaped marketer concept that people talk about, uh, the, the value of being able to go broad across other other channels with some depth, but then very deep in specific areas was really a uh, value to me and was a lot of fun. Probably one of my more favorite roles in terms of my career. And then here we are, I mean, three years ago, decided, wanted to, uh, found a lot of people were coming to me with questions, uh, asking about what is this thing called customer acquisition? What is, what are some innovative digital marketing things we can do? One of those people was us, Cruise Consulting. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. And so it, it's been, it's been fun. And so just wanted to kind of create our own team, create our own culture. And, uh, it's been a lot of fun. We've worked with like 80, over 85 businesses, a lot in the startup space, uh, similar to where you guys are focused on VC backed high growth companies. We've really done a ton in that realm. And we've, you can imagine the learnings from that over the last three years. I can't believe it's already been three years. Yeah. You're so. kind of like the cruise consulting, uh, you know, round barn <laughs> labs is the, is the, uh, growth marketing partner for a ton of startups, which is, we've found it's a fantastic niche. And I know you found a lot of success there. Totally. Totally. I think we're kind of both in that realm of, of selling the picks and the shovels to agree in the gold rush of, of the venture capital growth world or the, the startup world. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's been, it's been interesting and definitely uh, evolved and challenged, but, uh, it's been an exciting run and, and been very interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you're, you're, you have the dual kind of, you're doing that, that consulting, but you're also running your own company. I mean, that's, I we've, you know, it's hard. It's hard to do both. That's a really good point. Yeah. You're, you don't have the luxury to kind of just sit back and, you know, be the, uh, the mad scientist as sometimes maybe you would like to do you have to do a lot of the housekeeping and the revenue generation and the strategy, you know, everything down to the, the, the minutia up to the, the strategy up to the, just the basic small business operations. Yeah. How do you kind of keep the lights on? So I loved how you're talking about like the T-shaped marketer and being mm-hmm. able to go across, you know, I mean, that's probably what your clients love about you, right? That you can, you can talk SEO and SEM and social and affiliates. And I mean, being able to, I think a startup problem, I'm just, I'm asking like they come to you and they say, what should I be spending money on? Probably. Right. That's a, that's a really smart question because one of the biggest challenges we run across is where do I place my bets? How do I focus? What should I focus on? What should be the priorities for the next six months, the next six weeks when every minute counts, you've got a burn rate. You're trying to figure out how to get to that next round of funding how to show investors that you've reached a certain point of either attraction or product market fit or you're, Hey, we're at the growth stage. Give us a series B. So that's a really, it's a really um, spot on point because that's one of the bigger things that we get, get. Um, there's a lot of amazing agencies out there with, with much more resources than we have that have, you know, been acquired or have a hundred employees. And oftentimes I find that they're really good at, you know, one core area, go figure. That's, that makes a lot of sense. So your point around 
being able to go deep in a couple of key areas, but also be able to speak to a lot of these other things as they come up is, is really helpful for these yeah, guys. Yeah. Well, I would put you in that same category with all the expertise you have with the big agencies. I mean, well, I know, thank you. I know, you know your stuff. So we got a couple of things that we kind of outlined to talk about. The first was B2B marketing. Cause I think mm-hmm. especially like online, people tend to associate that with like consumer marketing mm-hmm. and, but I think a lot of people, first of all, our client base is predominantly uh, B2B and people don't really realize how important that is. Like you can actually do a lot of amazing stuff online in B2B marketing. And you want to mm-hmm. talk about that and talk yeah. through your methodologies? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. So yeah, I think there is a perception of like digital marketing, marketing, it's, it only works for consumer or that should be, you know, sales is what handles B2B, right? Kind of some people's perception. Um, that's like the 10 year, 10 years ago perception. Not, yeah. To, not to insult it, anyone on the listening to the podcast <laughs> here, but there's, but there's a lot you can do. Exactly. And so like the industry, you know, our, our firm round barn labs have had an inundated with B2B questions and, and challenges and things like that. So while a lot of our, my career and, and was centered around consumer and leaning more towards consumer in the last few years, it's gotten to be a lot more skewed towards B2B as a, as kind of a more balanced portfolio, if you will. So we've, we've had to deal with a lot of these challenges of how do I drive my marketing qualified leads or MQLs, the market challenge of the SaaS industry that's just exploded, right? You, you have a, you know, Red Point Ventures is one of the, probably one of the best influencers in this space. If you look at their content, HubSpot. Mr. Tomas Tunks. Correct. Boom. There you go. Really a good a good person that we've learned a lot from uh, in kind of a look to apply nuggets of information to our, our cha- client challenges, and, and those definitely bear fruit. Uh, HubSpot is another one where they've kind of laid out this this really interesting growth model and this really interesting playbook that's that has worked for them. And it's not going to necessarily work for your B2B company, but there's so much that can be learned from that. And so I think so many businesses have learned, learned what to do, what not to do from those examples. Well, I think I also think yeah. it's helpful to think about SaaS because I think that SaaS, the SaaS industry does that very well. And one of the reasons they do it well is they focus on the lifetime value of the customer, mm-hmm. which maybe is a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. And they know that they can use, they can invest a lot to acquire that customer because in SaaS businesses, you don't really churn. Ideally you don't churn very much. So when a, when a SaaS business comes to you and says, I need to, you know, just like the, we were talking about, where mm-hmm. do I spend my money? Like, how do you talk them through that? What do you tell them to evaluate? Absolutely. And, and you're right. I think a lot of it is getting the unit economics down first and foremost. What is the LTV? What is their estimated cost to acquire a customer? Do we want to come up with that estimated cost to acquire a customer for them? Typically we do to say, Hey, this is, this is where, what our goal is. This is what we're going to input in is, is our unit economics and kind of our, our weekly objective and say, these are the metrics we're mining. Um, the and, by, and by the way, like that's yeah. something the VCs look at. Like Tomas, if he's looking at your company is going to look at that. Steve Gillen, who was on the podcast a couple weeks ago, that's the first thing he said yep. that he looks at when he's evaluating a startup. Yeah. You know, like these are important things that you're actually helping them figure out. Absolutely. And so sometimes it's surprising to hear like some of them, some of them understand that, and, but a few, but there's a handful that, that don't. And so I think there's a massive benefit to us kind of almost being that forcing function to say, Hey, what, what is the LTV? Let's help you figure that out with some data, with some, with some research, with some pulling of metrics. Um, so the other thing is just, just channel strategy, right? So should we be trying Facebook? 
head scratcher, you know, silence. Why, why should we be doing that? We can, we can go to Google AdWords when people are typing in, I need a CFO. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's a big one. And, and I think it go, harkens back to what you said of just coming through with the priorities of what do people need? And, and what we try to do, like a lot of good growth marketers is go through that ranking, right? Of whether it's the ICE framework or uh, a lot of other, you know, bullseye framework, which helps you rank those things to say, and a lot of good marketers that maybe don't even call themselves growth marketers do this. They're, they're, they're thinking about it from a quantitative perspective. They're thinking about it from a, okay, what's the worst case scenario, middle case scenario, best case scenario? What data do we have to inform the rank stacking? Can we look at our network to inform some of these you know, hypotheses as yeah. opposed to just pulling them out of thin air? Yeah. Um, can we pull, can we look at competitor, you know, analysis to say, Hey, what are they spending? What are they doing? Are they on display? Are they on LinkedIn? Are they, are they acquiring leads cold and then doing outbound emails? We've actually seen an explosion of that acquiring of emails and then doing very smart outbound emails with AB tested, very specific AB testing around that to measure what works and what doesn't. Interesting. So I heard a bunch of really good ideas. So acquire emails outbound, mm-hmm. you know, cold mm-hmm. emails to convert mm-hmm. them. Yep. You also talked about different channels. You yeah. also talked about knowing that your LTV and knowing your customer acquisition. Yep. And then you also talked about, you know, the channels, Facebook, Google, what, how do you like take a couple of those apart yeah. real fast? Like, you know, what are, what trade-offs are people making on Facebook mm-hmm. versus Google versus mm-hmm. some other platform that they can or email, you know, like how do they, how do people think about that? It definitely depends on the business. Right. And I think the, the question you're asking is what's the trade-off or how do you determine wh- how deep you go in or, or, yeah. or how do you handle one of those, one of those channels? I think for, for us, um, for B2B, so much of it is, it may sound cliche, but content focused, mm-hmm. what we're doing right now, what, what you, you guys do, what a lot of people do and, and kind of thinking it through that framework of where are they in the funnel and the decision-making process and trying to create content that serves that. So if that's interesting. Like, I hadn't thought about where they are in the decision-making process. That's yeah. such a great way yeah. to frame that. Yeah. And I think, um, that way it's not like you're creating content that's just, general it's not content that is by now but it's content that helps people kind of think through okay if if i start to realize i need a cfo in this just you know example then how do i how do i create content that kind of helps me evaluate do i what type of cfo do i need what type of cost structure should i consider what type of um, financial considerations and uh, validation should i do and so that, that's, a, that's a good one um, that we find. And I think a huge credit obviously goes to HubSpot. It's kind of like a massive influence there. Um, some other folks that have really defined that for us and helped us kind of craft that thought. So if someone's in the searching for information, you're going to recommend content marketing. If someone, you, you know, in that stage where they feel like they may know enough to actually make a decision, is it more direct response or how do you, how do you, what's, good, what's the terminology there? It's a good question. There, I think each channel and tactic kind of lives. If you look at like the, the decision funnel in, in like a, the slide decks that you see or, or like a visual on the left and then on the on the right you can visualize kind of the the channel or the tactic that kind of hits that that area of the funnel that your customer is in right and so i think that things like paid search typically lend themselves to being a little bit more you know you're typing in something into google you're showing a pretty good intent typically best cfos in san francisco 
CFO consulting firms, those are so those are so intent based. Yeah. So those keyword costs are pretty high. So you better have kind of your your game plan put together pretty <laughs> you well. You don't want a lot of leakage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Better keep an eye out on that, right? Yeah. No, exactly. Um, so you've heard these some of these terms before, which is great. And then and then obviously, but the fun thing is like you can actually. Also, there's keyword queries that are going to lend themselves to being more discovery and, and consideration based. And with those, maybe you give them a landing page with uh, some comparison data of, oh, of the industry, or maybe you give them a white paper or a case study. So it's kind of like a channel doesn't always have to be low on the totem pole of the awareness process yeah. or high, but sometimes it can be utilized in multiple stages. That's a good point. Yeah. People are searching Google, for example, is, is an easy example, Mm -hmm. depending on what they're searching for or how they're searching. Yeah. They may be different parts of the funnel. Competitors for X or, you know, top 10 X, you know, so there's lots of queries that change, change the whole nature of the, the, the intent. That's amazing. So when a a B2B customer comes to you or client comes to you, Mm -hmm. you're basically doing all this analysis for them. You're basically, is it like a big interview session? Is it a lot of quant research? Like how, how do you go about? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. So there's a lot of tools we can leverage. Google is a great example that have key keyword research tools that we leverage. There's a lot of third-party software tools that we can look at competitor keywords, organic paid keywords. There's a lot the, of... You do the Don Draper, you know, tie. <laughs> and in my experience, this is the, in 15, 20 years, this is what works and, I, and wow them with the stories too, I'm sure. I, I should probably watch Mad Men. I think I've seen <laughs> half an episode. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great example. And and to your point, it, it's a combination, right? You, you do a lot of conversation with a client whether it's a weekly call or monthly strategy session, but, and then it's a ton of just research and kind of getting your homework together. So they really feel like you understand their business and their space and their industry and you can, and do what's best for them. Do you mention kind of what you do, what, what, what you, where should you start when a B2B company comes to you? And I think one of the biggest things I don't think people realize is customer persona data and how detailed you can get, especially for B2B They've got a boss, they've got a budget, they've got a timeline, they've got the kind of the BANT framework, right? Like budget and all the, all those kind of different yeah. things in that acronym that, that you need to look at. Yeah. They have to please. I right. Think. Yeah. What are their competitor options? And like, I'm, we're always working with clients to, and in the consumer space, as you can imagine, really understand the customer. It sounds cliche and, and common, but it, it's amazing how Often it needs to be repeated and you have to kind of hold everyone's hand to go through the process to say, let's really understand who the customer is. That way we can be really smart about how we're targeting them on Facebook with specific audience tactics or whether it be lookalike or custom or likewise on any, any platform. So you could have, you know, pages upon pages of customer data if you wanted to just for one persona. Wow. So, so it just depends on the business, but I think that's another good one that to remember even for, especially for B2B. I love it. Good tips on B2B. Yeah. The, uh, the next one we talked about and we sketched out was analytics yes. and CRO. And yes. I am embarrassed to say I had to ask what the definition of CRO is, which you're shows not, I have a lot to learn still. You're not alone. So what is CRO? Yeah. Conversion rate optimization. So at a simplistic level, you might look at that as forget like demand gen for a moment and like running a bunch of ads. Think about like your website, your onboarding experience. How do you get people from starting at your site to taking that 
action? Is it email most likely sign up or is it buy? So how do you do that and how do you improve conversion rate? Do you go do you, you obviously want to keep that going up and to the right because every time you do it has an exponential impact on how efficient your advertising yeah, is, yeah. whether it's earned, owned, or paid, right? The big three. So if you make a small change on conversion rate, you can have a massive impact, especially if you have a big business, on saving yourself a ton of money and time. Yeah. And so Optimizely has really um, made this famous, right? I mean, the Obama administration, uh, you know, crazy case studies out of their marketing team when it was so new, 2008, 2007, 2009, when he you know, has had his run-up to his election, a lot of the folks involved that went out and started Optimizely, which exploded that software tool where you can essentially put a snippet of code on your site, do easy A-B testing. You've heard it. So folks have flooded into this space. And so I think we're seeing a lot more folks getting into this business of how do we convert, how do we improve conversion rate? And you you get to, it's fun because you get to step back, look at, look at the visuals, look at the kind of science, look at the audiences, look at the customer persona and say, okay, these are some testing. These are some tests we want to run based on how we've run some analysis previously, based on what we think is going to be most impactful. Let's run these tests. Let's get some statistical significance, and then let's see if we can see a lift. And if and you know, oftentimes you don't always win. Uh, people think, oh, every time you're going to see conclusive results, or hey, this worked, this didn't. Sometimes it's gray, but when you can do it, it's pretty awesome because yeah. you don't have to spend a dime on you know tons of paid media you get to fix your funnel and yeah. get people what, through better. What's the craziest thing you've seen increase, like do that lift? Like, is it, do you hear stories about people tweaking like one word or one sentence on their website and lift going up, <laughs> you know, going 25% or something like that. And those are crazy stories. There, but there's have you few. ever seen something with your own eyes and you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe that changed it so dramatically. There's a few out there. I, oftentimes I, I have to admit from my experience, it's often like, you're kind of having to take a multiple effect, right? Where you where you have to fix like a couple different things in the funnel, not just one button. There are case studies out there where, where people are like, oh my God, we changed the color from red to green and it went up, th- you know, yeah. through the roof, which yeah. is, I think those are definitely few and far between. But I think for us, we have seen some pretty amazing, you know, performance just out of like, okay, Let's let's actually start the testing process. Let's start the discovery process. Let's implement like three best practices. Like it's it's very common that we see really strong improvements. I mean, I looking at for us, I mean, almost I'd say ninety percent of the time I feel like we're able to significantly improve the metrics of our client work, which is which is fun. It's not always gonna happen, but that's a fun one for us. Yeah. But, but yeah, those, those wild stories are, are, are I feel like are, are kind of rare, but anytime we can try to get one and, 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 and run it, we we're stoked. <laughs> what's your, what's the, you know, your high level recommendation on CRO and, and optimizing and A and B testing? I think, I think oftentimes it's just doing it and actually putting some thought around saying, these are the tests that we want to try and and at least giving a sh- giving it a shot and give and making sure that you have enough statistical uh, data and significance to to warrant hey we've actually given this a real shot it's an actual experiment we have a control we have a treatment some people get a little excited they call a winner before it's done <laughs> they throw their hands up and give up 
it, it's, it takes, I think growth marketing, digital marketing, all this stuff is just kind of like a constant, the concept of growth being never done is an mm-hmm. interesting one. People use that quote a lot. And I think that is something to be mindful of when you're going through the process. Yeah. That's cool. It's good advice. Yeah. Last kind of idea we had yep. is influencers. I, I want to hear like, this is, I feel like there's so much untapped, you know, especially for startups and mm-hmm. using, you know, the, the big brands, you know, will spend a bunch of money with a Kim Kardashian or someone like that and get a lot of ink, but what can startups do yeah. in terms of influencers? Oh, that's a good one. You know, start startups. I, I'd say it's interesting because a lot of times you know, coming from the affiliate world, it's funny because I think in, in a lot of ways that was influencer marketing before it was called influencer marketing. Totally. Cause you'd find a blogger who had a lot of traffic and you'd give them the, the link code exactly, and they could cash in. Exactly. Yeah. And that's often, actually why when you're talking about commission junction, I was like, Oh, the influencer thing is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and now it's kind of the worlds are almost colliding. I think the explosion of Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, social in general, you've got these followers and you've got uh, consumers that are, I think, a lot more responsive to these folks that are helping them curate stuff and find stuff and the eyeballs have floated there. So it's a, it's a clear, like, makes sense, right? Um, in terms of how startups get involved, I think there's a number of platforms um, out there that it help you kind of manage it. So you're not just like, where the heck do I begin? I, I can't just search YouTube and find like the most valuable guitar player for my guitar lessons class or my guitar center ad. So you're almost building like an AdWords for like, like a search mechanism to find the people you want to target. Yeah. I so didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. It's, it's a really good, interesting point you bring up because, um, you know, fame bits, a good example where, Google actually just acquired them. So that's kind of crazy validation for the influencer space. And it's not always going to work for every business and every startup. And it's really important to know like what stage of the startup is in to determine whether influencers should make sense for them. But it's really cool because a lot of these platforms, you can kind of plug in some key metrics and like, Hey, this is my description. This is my URL. This is what I'm willing to pay out. And you can get a, hundreds of requests of influencers that would be interested in promoting your product and you get to evaluate them based on various factors like reviews. And so round barn labs, the team and I, we've come up with a really interesting process around kind of making that a little bit less overwhelming and being able to kind of rank and go through quickly and say, okay, these are not quality. These are quality help you kind of prioritize and and get more value quickly. Do you track, like, do they have a custom URL they're using to promote something and things like that? That's a really good one. So there's a couple different tools out there that we, we like to use. Um, obviously a lot of times people are using Google UTM parameters to track things. Um, oftentimes, uh, you can kind of pick things up within Google analytics to make sure that you're seeing where things are coming from. Um, you're also validating and making sure there isn't any fraud or anything fishy going on. I think the tools out there have gotten better, but I think looking at, uh, I think one of our, our favorite ones, if someone's posting about content um, and you're kind of in the e-commerce world, um, Snipply is an interesting one that hmm. we've gotten some really interesting uh, performance out of. And I, I find people are starting to use more often uh, just a really easy way to kind of turn a content piece into a, a shoppable experience. Um, there's a few others out there. Um, I think Instagram, Pinterest are catching up a lot. They're, they're kind of behind in some ways compared to Facebook, but I feel like 
you know, it's easy to say they're catching up, but I think they truly are in terms of getting more traffic into purchase behavior. If you're yeah. thinking the B2C world of yeah. the e-commerce world. Feels like all the engagement's going to Instagram and Snapchat and and uh, Pinterest too. Like I, I'm sure I'm sure Facebook's still doing amazing, but I just I find myself checking it less and using Instagram way more. Totally, you know? same I, with Snapchat. I could not agree more. Yeah. You know, there's there's some there's some interesting ways where we we have close partners and and teams and and clients coming to us for things like Snapchat, Pinterest, Instagram, and. You'd be surprised at some of the things you could do at Snapchat that are, I, I was thinking that you have to have $40,000 minimums to do it, but there's things that you can do that's less crazy expensive that can be uh, interesting and definitely takes some good content, but but um, there's definitely ways to do awesome. it so you're not spending an arm and a leg. Yeah. yeah. What's the, would you recommend influencers for B2B or are they more consumer marketing? Like how do you, how, you know, when your clients come to you, yeah, how do I you think, think about influencers? I think. I think it's more B to C um, from what we what we find. It's I think while we've seen kind of the consumer consumerization of enterprise, we talk about that a lot, right? You see it a lot. It's happening. I think that helps uh, in some ways. I think there are opportunities in B two B with influencers. Obviously, they're just a different type of influencer, and so are they. Are they folks that are experts in that field? Are they, you know, a CRO expert might be an influencer for Optimizely. Yeah. It's like what we're talking about right yeah. now. That makes sense so to me. So in a lot of ways, we're kind of influencing what tools to use in this conversation. So that's kind of a mini you know, example, right? But in, but a lot of the larger platforms where there's volume and mass influencers and especially like Instagram, I think it's more consumer for now. Um, but similar to like how we started this conversation 10 years ago, you know, these are some things you couldn't do in B2B. Here we are doing crazy nuanced stuff in B2B with like the marketing stacks people use and the stuff segment is doing now with B2B is amazing. We've, we've really leveraged them a lot and love their webinars and their data and their insights. What and do they do? I, I see them. They're, sometimes. they're really impressive. So they're basically like a robust Google tag manager where you can basically create a data layer and collect a lot of really insightful data about folks coming to your site and, and customer information, and then use that across all the experiences. So customer service, acquisition, on-site, email, to serve up more relevant stuff to mm. them. And that's kind of my way of describing them. They, so you can use them as a tag solution. You can use them as a data layer. Sometimes you combine the two, and it helps it helps with like tracking and it helps with consumer insights and especially for B2B, there's some really cool stuff they're doing. So we've actually started to implement that a lot as a tool. And, um, in terms of B2B, like they are one of the top of our list in terms of the marketing stack. That's awesome. I'll check that out. That's really cool. So if you were to summarize kind of your tips for a startup, you know, again, I love the use case of the series A series B startup comes to because really that's our client base comes to you and is like, Ty, I heard about you on this incredible podcast called Founders and Friends. Incredible. <laughs> incredible. What do you recommend <laughs> I do? Like walk them to the quick, you know, how do you analyze them? How do you give them a recommendation? Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting, right? So a lot of times it's assessing the resources that they have, really diving into their customer and then looking at kind of the, the channels that they're using now. So What's the balance of paid and unpaid? What type of budget do they have? Going back to our earlier conversation, what kind of unit economics that can they even afford? There's times when it doesn't make sense to do paid marketing. 
just stepping completely back from it, like some companies are doing paid marketing and you realize they don't really have the, 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 the structure to, to yeah. support it. And so those are some considerations. I think just, just kind of saying, okay, what's your model for growing? Like, are you, are you someone that needs to have content created and then the search engines crawl your content and then folks discover you through that? Or are you kind of more of a sales driven organization? Are you, are you like a, an IOT tool that's like going to go straight into stores or Amazon as more of a, more of a strategy. So just kind of starting from square one and saying, okay, how would you, how do you need to grow this? And sometimes it's like multiple kind of loops that create those growth mechanisms. Yeah. You get a lot of people coming to your, you're selling a product they come to your website and then all of a sudden Amazon's interested in carrying you because you're doing so well, you know? And suddenly, you know, digital becomes much less critical yeah. from a, uh, you know, from a, from a, how do we acquire customers? So, so like evaluating just from square one that and like knowing, Hey, what's, what's the run rate? What's the, some of those realities of being a series A series B, you know, fortunately in that range, they've reached product market fit most likely. And so that helps a lot. And so we can kind of, I think there typically means there's a channel that is working and we can kind of throw some fuel in that fire to say, it's working, but how do we really dig into optimizing it? Yeah. And that's where I think like CRO can come in really yeah. nicely. I love it. Those yeah. are really good tips. Thanks. Maybe you can tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Email's easy. Ty, T-Y-E at roundbarnlabs.com. Uh, obviously our website, roundbarnlabs.com. And we hang out on Twitter a fair amount. We like to read and get information and learn about the latest and greatest, but also post new stuff and new tips and tricks and strategies. So love to chat with you and love to answer any questions you have. You guys have a good medium series too. I always oh, read thank your you. medium, uh, posts. Much appreciated. Much appreciated. We're, uh, we're trying to throw a lot more at that. Uh, and we're excited about it. It's a fun platform. Yeah. So. Ty, thank you for coming on. Everyone can find Ty at thank round you. barn labs. He is one of the best growth marketers in the Valley. I can attest to that. He's awesome to work with giving me a lot of tips and thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much, Scott. Really right, appreciate buddy. it. Take care, man. Alrighty. Bye.